this is an issue that they know about that they're dealing with every day in their everyday lives and right now it's they're dealing with it in a way that they never have welcome to episode 404 of the community broadband bits podcast from the institute for local self-reliance this is jess Alfiaco, communications manager today christopher talks with scott mooneyham director of political communication and coordination for the north carolina league of municipalities Scott tells Christopher about what he's been hearing from communities responding to the COVID-19 pandemic and how this crisis has highlighted the importance of high-quality internet access. Scott and Christopher also discuss Disconnected, which is a new documentary from North Carolina's WRAL news station that profiles a town called Infield. Scott tells us about how a change in law could allow towns like Infield that have their own electric utility to work with partners to improve local connectivity. Now here's Christopher talking with Scott Mooneyham of the North Carolina League of Municipalities. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. This is Christopher Mitchell from my house in St. Paul, uh, which is the the better of the two cities next to Minneapolis, where our office is for the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Back on the phone with Scott Mooneyham, someone I've I've been working with quite a bit over the last few years. Scott is the Director of Political Communication and Coordination at the North Carolina League of Municipalities. Welcome to the show, Scott. Good to be here, Chris. Scott, you know, I wanted to have you on because I feel like um, there's so much happening in our cities around the nation. And in particular, North Carolina is a place where you and I have been working together quite a bit. And I just wanted to get a sense. Um, what are you hearing from communities that are dealing with uh, COVID-19, this, this pandemic? You know, obviously, this has changed life dramatically in communities. We represent over 550 um, cities and towns in North Carolina. And so for a lot of those elected officials, you know, they're, they're dealing with a myriad of issues right now, including, you know, how to enforce some of these social distancing rules. You know, we have a lot of essential businesses out there um, that are, uh, you know, I mean, people are, are, are still having to conduct their lives. And, and so people are trying to reach a balance with that. But there are also concerns about, you know, they're hearing concerns from their constituents, their businesses about how to how to stay in business from their um, individual residents about how to conduct their lives and their keep on with their, you know, connections to work as, as much as possible. Um, so there are all those things going out there. But Obviously, this is also brought to the forefront, this issue of, of with people trying to work remotely, with school children trying to conduct their schoolwork um, remotely. And right now, our schools in North Carolina, the public schools are shut down until May the 15th. You know, those, those are issues that have really come to the fore here right now, and they're on their residents' minds if they have a poor broadband connection how how they can negotiate through this time and i mean this is something that i feel like people don't always have the the greatest grasp of all of the things that local governments have to deal with but i mean you know they're certainly worried about the things you mentioned but you there's all kinds of other things you didn't have a chance to mention right i mean public safety um you know they, there's still house fires <laughs> like, sure. any number of things that could go wrong i'm sure you're you're worried about um you know what happens with the next time hurricane season kicks up um in the eastern part of the state um, absolutely so there's just there's so much happening, but I'm I am curious. I mean, what are you hearing on the broadband front in particular? Are there any stories that have um, you know really struck you um, that you've heard from your your local communities? 
as you introduced me, Chris, we, you talked about working with me on this issue a lot. So I've been out there as one of kind of the public faces out there talking about this issue. And so now that people are, there is a stay-at-home order in North Carolina and has been for a few weeks now. Um, you know, I'm hearing from, from people um, about this issue where they directly emailed me. And, and one of the communities I've heard from is really, it's only 30 miles outside of, of Raleigh, the state capital and, you know, a major metropolitan area. Um, and it's a place that's only a 10 minute drive from a major private university, Campbell University. And yet this is an area where I've gotten a, a couple of inquiries from people and, you know, they, they either have very poor internet connection or none at all and no home connection at all. You know, it, it's, it's been interesting that certainly, you know, this, this has obviously when people are at home like they are right now, it, it, it's, it's really, you know, the, the need is really being shown and, it, and it's exacerbating. Yes, you. I think you forwarded to me an article that was about a family in um, about uh, three to four miles outside Chapel Hill, a, a preeminent university, um, you know, major um, community, part of the triangle. Um, and, and in that case, they were talking about how they had, you know, speeds that were um, very slow, uh, much less than 10 uh, from AT&T on a slow DSL connection. Um, and there was a, there was a couple of memorable phrases. One was that, you know, that there's high school kids that are trying to do their work on technology that's older than they are, you know, like the DSL circuit was put in before they were born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then on top of it, there's this phrase that I just, it, it struck me because it said the connection would go out for hours at a time. And, and it just struck me because we're not allowed to go out for hours at a time. <laughs> and yeah. yet the connections can, it's just, it's so frustrating. It, it is. And that's not, an, you know, even before this, this virus, struck and, and we were faced with this crisis. I mean, those were not, you know, unusual stories before. And I know you know that, but we've heard from people in our mountain counties here where it's not unusual sometimes for them to, to lose their internet connection for a week or more. And you think about that. I mean, this is, this is an important public safety issue. And I think it's certainly more important than ever right now because we, you know, people are at, at home more. And so, you know, if, if people feel that isolation from the world more, uh, that we're seeing now just how important it is to be connected and how these broadband connections are a part of your connection to the rest of the world. One of the things that you've done that I'm uh, was excited to be a part of was this uh, WRAL uh, documentary called Disconnected, and we'll have a, a link to that on our uh, the page where we post this. But also, if anyone just Google's WRAL disconnected. I think they'll be able to find it really well. It's a, it's a 20 some minute documentary. I, I really liked it. I'm, I'm just curious if you can reflect on, um, you know, this was something that, that you really worked on and, and you had, I think, high expectations going into it. What did you think of it? Well, I, I think it's a really great documentary. One of the things that it does, Chris, it really utilizes a, a small town in Eastern North Carolina, Enfield, North Carolina, which is in a, an area in the northeastern part of the state that is that suffers from poor broadband connections generally. I think if you were to look at the state, 
you've often talked about how, you know, North Carolina has some of the best broadband connections in the country in some of the metropolitan areas. But when you get up in the northeastern part of the state in particular and in the mountain areas, that's where you see this uh, situation at its worst, where you have people either have no home connections at all or their home connections are copper line technology that is where they, they have poor speeds and, and struggle with reliability. So at any rate, the documentary, though, was I, I felt like it was really great because it compared and contrasted infield. And there were a number of interviews with both city officials, school officials, business owners, school students, parents, all of the folks that are affected by this and, and, and really made a, a strong case for how this one community and, and the outlying areas of it as well are, are really struggling economically and, and educationally and, and from a healthcare perspective and how much better broadband could help that. And it contrasted that community with Wilson, North Carolina, which is a few miles to, to the west, but still in eastern North Carolina and still surrounded by a lot of rural areas of the state. But Wilson, as a city-owned broadband provider, Greenlight, and one of the best systems in the country. And it's just startling how when you see the difference between Wilson and and then a, a community like Enfield. And, and what's really sad about this is that Enfield is an electricity provider. There are a number of communities in North Carolina that are electricity providers. And so it has some infrastructure that could be utilized if we change the law here. And of course, that's the big thing for us at the North Carolina League of Municipalities. We've been trying to get the law changed here to better encourage public-private partnerships. Right. And we're not really expecting uh, Infield to want to duplicate what Wilson did so much as uh, most likely work with a provider in order to try to improve access using uh, some of the assets that Infield has and, and perhaps some new ones that they would create. But it would be more more likely um, a partnership. Um, and if, even if that wasn't true for Infield, a majority of the local governments that would take advantage of a change in the law would want to work with existing providers rather than you know trying to build their own their own new wheel from scratch. Absolutely. And there's there's dozens of homegrown providers in North Carolina that are willing to do this work, except for the fact that it's expensive. I mean, it's expensive to connect people in rural areas. And so they're trying to make the business model work. But there, there are um, a number of providers out there from ones that are just in a few communities to, to some that are working all across the state that are very much interested and want to work with towns, with local governments, with whomever they can to, to try to limit their expenses and, and create a retail service for people out there. But, you know, as, as long as the law hinders the ability of local governments to, to work in the best way possible cooperatively with them, this is going to continue to be an issue. Well, and this is the part that drives me nuts because the federal government um, has recognized, I mean, everyone, everyone at the federal government admits they do not know where broadband is and where it is not. The state uses the federal information 
to try to figure out where the problem is. The state, therefore, does not know where the problem is and where it is not. Although, to its credit, the state is now trying to collect better data in order yeah. to, to make, that, uh, make that information um, available for its programs to improve access. But the only people who know, you know, is, is infield. Like, if you go to the local government officials there, or probably a lot of people walk in the street, they could tell you where the internet access starts and stops. And yet they're the ones who are prohibited from doing anything about it. It's, it's just insanely mind-boggling. It, it is, and, and you're absolutely right. At the local level, people understand this very well. Um, you know, Chris, we um, January of 2019, we went around the state and, and did, did a few of these meetings. Um, and when you get out there into away from these metropolitan areas, they know about this issue. It did not take a whole lot to get community interest in those meetings and get people out to those meetings because this is an issue that they know about that they're dealing with every day in their everyday lives and right now it's they're dealing with it in a way that they never have so last question i want to ask you about is um after the wral documentary aired around the state um i suspect you had people reaching out to you and i'm, I'm curious if you have any any stories from that i mean not, the ones that aren't necessarily related to the the covid19 but but just stories of people reaching out after they saw that and said it really resonated with me Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I talked about that, that one community that's not far from Campbell University and, um, and they had seen the documentary as well. So yeah, I received an, a number of, of people um, responding to that. And I think hopefully, you know, what we wanted out of that documentary, and as you said, we spent a lot of time working with WRAL and the folks there to try to connect them with people who could talk about this story in ways that resonate with people and in ways that connect people. And so that's exactly what happened. It's connected people. And we have, you know, heard from, from individuals, whether, whether it is related to the COVID issue or whether it's this issue of telehealth. So, so we're very pleased with the, Chris, with the, the outcome of that in that regard. Um, you know, all of us now are working from home and having to deal with a lot of other different issues. On the one hand, this is this crisis has brought this issue um, more toward the forefront. But it's also, you know, in terms of a from a policy perspective, it's not the thing that's always foremost on people's minds is they're having. If you look at from policymakers, they're having to deal with, you know, all kinds of issues related to the crisis and I will say, you know, one of the things that's been very heartening about all of this is that we have seen a lot of follow-up, whether whether it was people calling us or contacting us, or whether it was just people responding on their own. Clearly, this is an issue that is is at the forefront of people's minds. It's going to continue, and it's very good that that documentary, you know, kind of helped to build on this I've seen more stories in particular right now from school teachers who are having, as I said, our schools here are shut down till May the 15th. And you have public school teachers that are out there doing their best to connect with students. And it's not easy. There was an editorial from a former governor that appeared um, today or yesterday, Beverly Perdue. She was saying that they're real heroes. And, and I think people would agree. I mean, they're out here doing their best to connect 
um, with their students, even in this atmosphere, um, this landscape where, you know, it's, it's not easy to do so. And she really, she said, you know, she really hoped that we could take the lessons learned through this and, and act on them when this crisis is over, because these teachers deserve more. They deserve to be able to be connected to their students without having to, to these Herculean efforts to figure out ways to connect with them. And obviously the students themselves deserve that as well. So as we're as we're wrapping up uh, this uh, discussion, I just wanted to note my understanding of the legislature is that we have no sense of whether they're going to be able to address broadband because right now they have a first priority of just figuring out the physics of how they could meet in a safe way to conduct the state's business. And then the second thing is, is that they are very worried about the hospital situation and making sure that they do everything they can um, to deal with the peak. Um, and then after that, it seems like it's anyone's guess if there's any other business that will be conducted. Absolutely. There are um, ongoing House committee meetings taking place remotely right now. So they are adjusting to this world as well. I think that we'll they will be able to, you know, address needs, but what what is considered, you know, a critical need right now today, and as you mentioned, the public health issues, and then we're gonna they're gonna be dealing with the budgetary impacts of this as well. Having said all that, Chris, I mean, we're certainly bringing this issue up of broadband connectivity, even even as we're talking about other priorities, and and we're going to continue to do that. This is hopefully again, it's it's this is obviously a difficult time for everybody in this country, and you know, this is in 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 a lot of ways, this is a tragedy. But as Governor Purdue said, we need to learn lessons from this and and emerge from this, um, recognizing just how crucial being connected in the 21st century is. Right. I, I, I imagine that the likely scenario, absent a miracle cure, is that sooner, hopefully, or later, we will be off lockdown, but we will be doing testing. And there will be times in which different regions go into lockdown because of an outbreak. And so this making sure everyone has high quality internet access is something that it really needs to get done because it isn't a matter of, oh, well, if we don't get it done in the next two months, we won't need it as much anymore. Um, it will be needed for some time. You're absolutely right. And we're probably going to be in four, five, six months is if we are there in, in this kind of world you're talking about and there is more testing and people are, you know, are able, certain at parts of the population are able to kind of re-engage economically and socially, where we're going to see those types of outbreaks you're talking about at that time, Chris, it's going to be in these same rural areas. And so it's... <laughs> You're right. This is not going away. And we really need to address these issues. You know, broadband is part of a larger issue as well related to the, the rural areas and how they're being left behind economically. And this country can do better by its the rural areas of, of North Carolina and of all of our states. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Scott, for the work you're doing and for taking some time today. Great. Thank you for having me, Chris. 
That was Christopher talking with Scott Mooneyham of the North Carolina League of Municipalities. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arna Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 404 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening.